0: Hey everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Tuesday. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed your weekend, spending time with your family and friends, watching the U.S. Clay Open as well, the U.S. Clay Tennis Championships that happened in Houston, Texas. Last episode, I, I called it the U.S.C. Open. It's the U.S. Clay Championships. I'm very, very sorry. There's a little bit of news that we can get into for today. Uh, we can get into uh, Will Smith being banned from the Oscars for 10 years due to the slap that occurred two weeks ago. I'm tired of talking about it, but if there's more news about it and if there's nothing else happening, I'm, I'm going to discuss it, which I'm very, very sorry, but there was a lack of news to, uh, this week, this past week. So my apologies for that. We can also discuss T.I., getting mad at a comedian for telling jokes. And just overall, his overall demeanor in regards to that individual after she told her jokes. Uh, we can discuss Chrissy Everett, uh, Chrissy Everett uh, discussing Naomi Osaka and why she must handle heckling better. And why I support her in her stands and why I do think she is completely on the ball and right on the money when it comes to her criticisms on Naomi Osaka. And we can also discuss my weekly pick, which obviously wouldn't be that much of a shocker. It's not a special just, I uh, just want to tell you uh, full on out. It's not a special, uh, but it is a song uh, from one of my favorite, my favorite band of all time. So we'll discuss that as well. Uh, but where we'll start off for today will be Riley Opelka versus John Isner. Uh, the final that occurred yesterday, the Sunday final uh, that occurred yesterday, where Riley Opelka beat John Isner 6-3, 7, 7, 7 was the tie-breaking set. I'll be quite honest with you. I watched the uh, first hour of the match, I would say like the first set of the match I watched. And then I didn't really watch the second set because of the fact that not only was it not an ATP 1000 tournament, but I also had comedy as well. I, I'm, I'm a stand up comedian, so I do open mics and whatnot. So I had to go to some open mic, uh, some gay bar, you know, had to, do, had to do, you know, go to the gay bar and, you know, do my comedy there. Uh, I'm kidding, it wasn't a gay bar, but uh, close enough. Uh, <laughs> the audience was quite that. No, uh, but again, I had, I had some comedy to go to, so, uh, you know, again, you know, I, I wasn't able to really fo- uh, focus or pay attention to the latter half of this match, but I was able to watch the first half, and overall, Riley Opelka beat John Isner, 637697. Um, and the reason as to why Riley Opelka beat John Isner. Uh, was more was basically because of the fact that he was able to utilize all areas of the court and play John Isner's game but to a better extent right because both of these individuals if you look at John Isner if you look at Raleigh Pelko these two are massively huge like they are Towering over six eight, six nine. I mean Riley is like six eleven, seven foot. I mean John Isner, I think he's he's like in the seven foot as well. It uh, might be a little bit shorter than seven foot, but still in the same age, uh, vicinity as that of Riley O'Pelka. These are two individuals that do well, extremely well at the net. But with Riley O'Pelka, the reason as to why he won was because of the fact that he played John Isner's game, but teed it up a little bit more. And you really saw that, especially in the first set, but it was more so evidently uh, done in that second set. I was able to watch the highlights for the second set. And what I came across from it was that Ryan Lapelka has some of the best return serves in the tour. I mean, especially when the going gets, gets tough, when he's in the thick of it. I mean, Ryan Lapelka's return serves are amazing. And that was one of the key factors for Ryan Lapelka to win against John Isner. When you see that three-all, 15-all, uh, that's that set, that that point where Opelka just hit like a great down the line return serve winner. I mean, that was it was a clean shot. I mean, that was one of the cleanest shots I've ever seen. It wasn't even like touched by Isner's racket. That was amazing. It allowed Palka to go, uh, go up 5-30. Five, Isner serving. One of the best points of that match of, of that entire match, and it really gave you the understanding that. Both these individuals, while they're very tall and while John Isner is the sort of quintessential prototype of a serve and volley type player, there are times where that can go against him. And Ray O'Pelka really did something that a lot of, very few tall individuals were able to do, which is have great return serves and utilize it for passing shots as well. You know, and he was able to be more consistent around the baseline because of that. You know, when you think of John Isner and when you think of who he does bad against it's usually against individuals that are very consistent with the ba- at the baseline but also are able to really get one out and when i say get one out i mean be able to hit a ground stroke that can sort of deviate or sort of get away from that of john isner when john isner is right near the net and look at all the matches that Andy murray had with john isner right Andy murray was able to you know, for lack of a better term, was able to own John Isner in those matches. And the reason as to why was because of the fact that he was just so dynamic at the baseline and understood that John Isner likes to come near the net and that if he's able, if Andy Murray is able to just get one out there in time for a passing shot or a turn serve, it could spell the end for that of Isner. And I felt like Riley Lopelka really took a page out of Murray's notebook and really put it within his own to better adapt his game against John Isner, right? This was a mirror match, right? This is a very mirror match, where, mirror match, you know, where both these individuals had very similar strengths and very had very similar weaknesses, but Riley Opelka was just able to put it up a notch. And I thought that was what Riley Opelka did best in this match. I mean, look at the stat line uh, just for, uh, uh, for this match, right? Riley Opelka, I didn't even get into the first serves, Ray Opelka had 10 aces to uh, John Isner's In a best out of three match in only two sets, that's pretty good for aces. I mean, that's that's very similar to one another. I mean, look at the first serve one percentage. 75 for Opelka, 78 for Isner. Look at the second serve percentage. 58% for Opelka, 52% for Isner. So they have very similar styles. But what allowed Opelka to beat uh, Isner was the fact that he was able to just play better tennis at certain key spots, at certain moments. I mean, in that tie-breaking set, there were times, uh, Isner had ample opportunity to really come back and make his presence known, and more importantly, make it 7-6 in his way to go to a third set. But it wasn't the case as Opelko, able to just get the better of him. And that's because of his return serves, his passing shots, and so on and so forth, and in terms of that style where Isner just had no sort of answer to it. So again, this was a, I, I didn't watch the entirety of this match. Uh, I, I watched the first set and I didn't watch the second set. I was able to watch the highlights for it. Uh, I wanted to DVR it, but I don't have a DVR. So I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm too young to have a DVR. Uh, that's, that's for a different generation, not for my generation. But again, when you watch this match, what it really shows you is that Opelka can do well against his own players, against players that have a similar style to him. And now, obviously, the question remains, will Opelka win a major? You know, when you see this match, when you see uh, his win against John Isner, and when you see his first ATP Cup, ATP tournament win of this year, you know, there's a lot of question as to whether or not he'll win a major. And I don't think so. I mean, when you think of American tennis players, you think of Taylor Fritz. You think of Francis Tiafou. You think of those individuals. Don't get me wrong, I mean, obviously, you know, more so Taylor Fritz than Tiafu, but still, you know, when I I think of American tennis players, that's who I think of. I don't really think of Opelka. And while I do think Opelka can be a dark horse candidate, especially in terms of breaking people's brackets, so to say, in terms of, you know, getting upside wins in these majors, I think that's more of the case than, say, him winning major. Uh, But I just don't think he can win a major. I don't. You know i want to be wrong i do want to be wrong about that uh, evaluation hopefully i am wrong you know i do uh but again i don't think opelka has the capability to win a major in the same vein as say a taylor fritz i'm not a betting man but if i were to bet on on one player to win a major or a person that has the highest likelihood of winning a major between those two individuals it's probably fritz over opelka again opelka is a great player you know and Congrats to him on winning the Houston championships, the Houston clay championships, the U.S. clay championships, I should say. Uh, But again, I don't think he has the ability to squeak by with a major win. And again, I want to be wrong about that. You know, I want to reiterate, I want to be wrong about this. Hopefully he can uh, succeed and do well and win a major. But I think right now, if you're an Opelka fan, what what you should focus on is winning an ATP 1000 tournament. Right, once you win an ATP 1000 tournament, the the entire dynamic for this conversation will shift, and that may happen in the next few months or so. But again, when you think of the players that were not playing in this ATP ATP tournament, I mean, Nadal wasn't playing, Djokovic wasn't playing, you know, Berrettini wasn't playing, Rublev wasn't playing, you know, these are the individuals that didn't play or didn't show up to play. You know, Medvedev wasn't playing. You know, these are the individuals that i didn't see on the court and those are the individuals that you will be seeing at an atb 1000 tournament at a major and and it might be you know kind of you know out there to say this but i don't think opelka has the ability to win against those bigger opponents and i like this match i thought that was a great valiant effort by opelka i think he did a great job a phenomenal job if you will but i don't think he has the ability to utilize that skill set against those players and i want to be proven wrong but i don't think that's the case and hopefully you know we're able to see tennis like this more often than not for opelka Uh, i just don't think it's possible against those players in particular you know so that's where i want to leave it off with that uh, with that kind of discussion Uh, but yeah i mean overall you got to give his credit. I mean, n- not many people could have s- saw him or seen him win this major uh, in this tournament. Uh, because, let's be honest here, it's not the biggest tournament. Uh, so n- not many people actually saw it. Uh, no offense to Opelka, but yeah, not many people saw this tournament. And uh, when I saw Twitter, I'm like, wow, like nobody's really talking about it. Like, nobody whatsoever. Like, at all. Uh, at all. Uh, but yes... Congrats to Pelco for winning uh, a major uh, tournament that not many people were really interested in watching. Uh, but yeah, you know, you got to give him this credit. You know, I mean, there were there were obviously audience members that were there and were interested and were per- participatory, if you will, uh, for this match. So you got to give him his credit for uh, wowing people there. Uh, for me, I had to do an open mic. Uh, I had to talk about why cultural appropriation is good if it's done in poor taste. That's that's a bit that I'm trying to work out right now, and uh, it's not really doing as well as I would hope it to be. But yes, uh, that's Opelka and Nisner for you, so I'll leave it off at that. Let's get into our next bit of discussion here, shall we? Uh, this I was very interested in hearing about uh, Chrissy Everett or Chris Evert, as you know her uh, tennis analyst for ESPN very acclaimed tennis player one of the best tennis players within the WTA uh, discusses Naomi Osaka and I'm just getting this from Tennishead.net Disco- disturbing and heartbreaking Chris Everett feels Naomi Osaka needs thicker skin to deal with heckling I think and this I'm just getting a quote from her This is uh, from Chris Everett in relation to her discussion about Naomi Osaka and her overall response to heckling. I think Naomi is learning now or or will learn that when you're competing in front of thousands of people and you're that exposed on the court, there may be one or two hecklers out there that you have to learn to tune out. Unfortunately, you have to have a thick skin. But you can have a thick skin while you're competing and then you can still be sensitive off the court with your feelings. But you have to learn about that balance. That combination, because hecklers have been there for a long time, and I think every top player has had that experience, which is disturbing and heartbreaking, but at the same time, you don't want to let one out, one moment like that affect you, especially somebody like Naomi, who has been such a bright light for not only tennis players, but also athletes, all people when it comes to mental wellness. She has been such a role model for so many people. To lend one person who may have had too much to drink or isn't happy with their life, I think she will hopefully learn that this is part of the price that you pay if you're famous, successful in playing, and exposed to thousands of people. I think this is a process for her. This is a learning process for her in life and on the tennis court. I think all of us who know her support her in her journey, and I hope that she finds the balance again to be tough on the court and then sensitive off of it because that's the real her. She She concluded. So... Poetic, you know, Chris Everett, she was able to really discuss the heckling situation in a very classy way, and you got to give her credit. I mean, Chris Everett really did her best to really say it in a, in a very eloquent way, but get to the point, point. and I agree with her. I, mean, I think Naomi Osaka needs to handle heckling better. And I've made this abundantly clear in, in that Indian Wells video that I, I've uploaded on my podcast channel, but also on my podcast clips channel. So go check those videos out if you haven't already. But I mentioned this and I just address, addressed this in, fully, in full detail that I think Naomi Osaka must handle heckling better. I mean, if you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars playing a sport, hitting a green fuzzy tennis ball, you got to handle it better. Case in point, you know, if you're making millions and millions of dollars, you know, hitting a green fuzzy tennis ball. If you're if you're making millions and millions of dollars going to these private events, these luxury events that, you know, the average working Joe Schmo can't attend, then you gotta handle it better. You know, because that's a part of life. You know, for me, I mean, I'm a comedian, not to brag, but I'm a comedian and there are times where there are people that heckle me. And I gotta deal with the best of my ability. Sometimes I address it, sometimes I don't but overall i try and go on with the show i try and do my best to make sure that i can be able to do my job to the best of my ability to be able to do my role to the best of my ability and what i would not do is just reprimand them for heckling you know because that just exacerbates that heckle you know what i would do in that situation is just go on with the show do what i do best which is do my job to the best of my ability and for Naomi Masaka's case, if I get a heckler, what I would do is just own that heckler by playing the best tennis as I possibly can play. You know, that's the difference. You know, one of the best things that Novak Djokic is able to do is able to hear and process the heckle, but do so in a way that it doesn't influence or impact his on-the-court play. I mean, when you look at that 2019 Wimbledon, that Wimbledon final, that entire crowd was pro-Roger Federer. And there are times where Novak Djokovic would get heckled a lot of times. And it would often be times when he would return serve. And whenever you saw him return serve, especially in that latter half of that match, you know, and whenever he got the point, he would just silence them, you know, and that was the best way to handle it. You know, it, not only was it a very sort of touching way to handle it, but he was sort of able to do it in a way that showed that he was able to bring the heat on the court. And that's something that Naomi Osaka has lacked for quite some time now. You know, and I, and I don't want to make this, like, sort of a, a gender thing. Obviously, like, there are male tennis players that need to handle heckling better. I mean, Nick Kyrgios, he needs to handle his emotions. Like, I I think he does well with the heckling. But in terms of emotions, in terms of his overall demeanor towards the chair umpire, he needs to handle that accordingly in and in a better professional manner. So I, I don't want to just leave it out to just, like, one person. But I want to, like, be honest and, and be, like, have, like, a clear-eyed view and sort of view it in its entirety, like I think, both sides of the spectrum need to handle not only heckling better, but just their overall demeanor better. And obviously, they handle it in different emotions, but overall, they need to handle it in a better way, in a better way so that it doesn't affect their play on the court. And for Naomi Osaka uh, in particular, it's difficult for her. I mean, I mean, look at that Indian Wells match. I mean, you cannot be on the microphone telling the audience to zip down because what do you think they'll do? they are just going to continue you're just going to embolden that same rhetoric and that same behavior if you're just on the mic telling them to be quiet and to let let, let you play the match right so again you had to handle it better and i think for chris evert there's one person that understands heckling it's chris evert I, mean, I mean when you saw her play i mean she had to deal with a lot of heckling i mean maybe not so much as Navratilova, but still i mean when you look at chris evert she had to handle it with a lot of heckling i mean every tennis player has to handle it with a lot of heckling so i mean i think this was the best way to sort of put it out because not only is, I mean, I had to play the game, but, you know, she is a woman. She is a tennis player, a former tennis player, a very accomplished tennis player. So, I mean, she checks, you know, all the boxes that needs to be there when it comes to being able to sort of critique a, a player, but do it so in a very sort of sympathetic way in a very sort of understanding way, if you will. And I think she was the best person to go out there and sort of like put this out there because a lot of people feel this way and obviously some people may say it in a more crass way i would say uh some people may say it in a more sensitive way but at some point you got to be honest about it you know you got to keep it a buck and if we're able to say that about you know other tennis players you know if we're able to say that about you know benoit Paire or, or say uh, hopefully i'm saying his name right benoit pare I, I don't know how to say his name but It's French, so my apologies. But if you're able to say that about Benoit Paire or about Nick Kyrgios when they're not able to keep their uh, temper in check, then we can say the same thing about uh, Naomi Osaka. I'm sorry. I mean, it's got to be said at some point or another. You know, this behavior is not good at all. You know, you've got to handle it in a better way, in a professional way, and in a way that sort of allows individuals to be on your side. You know, there are times where people will get heckled in a match, and they're able to turn that audience onto their side you know i mean look at francis tiafu i mean in that u.s open you know look at francis tiafu in any european tournament you know whenever there's a european player facing against francis tiafu usually the audience leans into the european player's way and then at the end of the match they're on francis tiafus you know because it shows because they like the encore theatrics they like a person that gets the audience invested on the court for on the court tennis play. And when you have Francis Tiafoe, who's just able to do that so masterfully, then it gets them interested and engaged with that said player, and that's the beauty of it all. That's the beauty of tennis. You know, you can have somebody that heckles you, in one in one uh, regard, but then a few plays later, they're on your side, and you got a lifelong fan, and you got a fan that is willing to attend all your tennis tournaments, all your tennis events, and willing to put money in your pocket. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, that's one of the few things about sports and about, you know, just entertainment in general. You can have somebody that viscerally hates you for a split second, and then after some time, they'll be on your side. And I feel like Naomi Osaka must handle it and must understand that and acknowledge it. Otherwise, she'll continue in this downward spiral where she's not able to compete to the best of her ability. And I feel like as tennis fans, as a tennis commentator, I don't want that to happen. You know, I want everybody to succeed and to do well. And hopefully we're able to see Naomi Osaka do well uh, in the up and coming months within this clay season. And I think that's the best way I can sort of end it off with that. Uh, but yeah, she must handle heckling better. I mean, and uh, speaking of people that must handle heckling better, uh, before I get into the next topic, leave me a comment down below on Chris Evert and uh, her overall. Uh, thoughts and opinions and your overall thoughts and opinions in the YouTube comment section down below. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. But if you have any comments, questions or concerns about uh, the Naomi Osaka situation or Uriah Lopelka winning against his match with John Isner, leave a comment down below and I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. If it's bad, I'll just leave like a hard emoji next to it or something. Uh, That's the best I'll do. Uh, If it's funny, I'll obviously discuss it and uh, talk about it and and engage with it in the comment section. We'll duke it out in the comment section down below. But uh, yeah, just leave a comment down below on uh, any of these topics that I discussed. Uh, I feel like the more engagement and the better of a community that we are able to create, the better it is for this podcast to grow and more importantly for this podcast to be entertaining. So hopefully uh, you can leave a comment down below and we'll discuss more into detail about it later. All right, speaking of people that can't handle heckling, uh, let's get into T.I., all right? So T.I. got mad at a comedian. So if you guys don't know T.I., he's like this rapper, uh, like a southern rapper. He was big in like the crunk era, you know, uh, was very influential in terms of bringing uh, individuals into the limelight. I think he was like the first person to break out Iggy Azalea. And say what you will about Iggy Azalea, but for one moment in time, she was, like, the biggest thing going. I remember in the 10th grade, oh, my God, like, the 10th grade, she was, like, everywhere with that fancy song. Oh, my God. Uh, and the Black Little Baby. Hopefully I'm saying the, the name right in terms of the, the song because I, I keep hearing Black Little Baby, uh, which I, it's kind of weird if it's like that, but he was, like, the first person to break out Iggy Azalea. And, uh, so obviously we're dealing with a great rapper here uh you know with ti uh if you if you break out iggy, you got to be like top 10 like forget you know big year tupac if you're able to break out iggy oh god like that is that is you got to be one of the best to ever do it all right so let's get into uh, the discussion here uh shall we uh with uh with uh ti uh all right so ti uh i'm just getting this from the new york post ti storm stage after comic notes sexual assault allegations and his response take off your wig very very classy very very classy indeed uh ti has confronted a comedian at open mic night in atlanta oh damn he's in an open mic night what i mean he's taking it seriously then i mean obviously he's now sort of sort of shifted from a rapper to a stand-up comic but He's going to open mic nights now oh my god that's kind of sad i'm not gonna lie if you're a, if you're an acclaimed rapper and you go to an open mic night i have zero respect for you like i really don't have any respect for you uh, whatsoever uh but ti has confronted a comedian at an open mic night in atlanta after she brought up sexual assault allegations leveled against him during his, his her live stand-up set the 41 year old rapper was in the audience at out bar atlanta out bar or oh, our bar uh, that would be weird if you went to a gay bar i mean not because of the homophobia that is in the hip-hop landscape but uh our bar atlanta on monday night when funny woman laura knight reference reference claims that ti and his wife tamika tiny harris uh drugged and sexually assaulted a woman in 2005. according to Knight. ti whose real name is clifford harris was heckling her during her comedy routine, repeatedly yelling out from the crowd and telling her to take her wig off. Uh, and then, yeah. And then in her subsequent Instagram video addressing the skirmish, Knight appeared to indicate that she had no hard feelings against the rapper. I made a joke just like he did. She told her followers in the clip. The post has reached out for her comment. Representatives for TI, uh, Knight also stood by her controversial referenced TI's lawsuit, writing in the caption, Listen. You can't be a heckler and get mad where you get a response. I stand on what I said. I love comedy. Make sure you get the whole story before you believe just anything. Uh, I have no idea who this woman is, uh, but I love her. I do. Uh, I think T.I. is a, uh, a female dog, if you will. I feel like he is a female dog. First off, his name is Clifford. So... He is a female dog, if you really think about it. Uh, I know Clifford's a male dog, but just go with me with with this. Uh, I mean, if you're a comedian, if you're a new comedian, you got to be able to take the jokes. I'm sorry, like I'm I'm a fairly new comedian, but if somebody makes fun of me, you got to take it in stride. You got to handle it to the best of your ability, and you got to keep the you got to keep the show rolling. Right? You can't you know cry on stage. Like you can't do that whatsoever. I mean, it's so dumb to do that. Uh, it's just so. I mean, if you're again, understand that if you're a new comedian or if you're just a comedian in general, you got to roll with the punches. You know, there are times where I see even established comedians not take the heat, and I'm like, what? What are you doing? Like, you can dish it, but not take it. And obviously, I'll I'll remain I'll you know remain them to be nameless for now. I'll I'll make sure those comedians are nameless because I don't want to blow their spot up. But I know comedians that are big. And you know have a lot of followers and fans, but if somebody makes fun of them, it's like the be all end all for them, and it's it for for that set comedian for that set individual. And it's like, aren't we supposed to tell jokes? Isn't this entire thing about telling jokes and to sort of let go of our like preconceived notions and our own you know views and whatnot, and just be able to laugh at one another and our, at ourselves? I mean, that's the whole point of comedy, you know. If we're not able to do that, then we're not able to. Function, you know, I mean if you go after comedy you're, then you're just going after our ability to in, our ability to integrate You know our, our ability to assimilate into our cultures. And I, I know I'm sort of you know going off the deep end with this But I do feel like it's important to say this because I mean T.I. I mean he's just So like soft He's he's soft. He's softer than tissue paper and he's he has to develop a, a thicker skin because I mean this is in the same realm as saying Naomi Osaka, but you gotta handle it better, you know. I mean, you're 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 a rapper. You rap about you know the drug lifestyle and how how hard you are and you know how how much bravado you have. But you can't take a joke. I mean, how sad is that? I mean, that's the thing about rap nowadays. Is that it's just so sad. It's like you have so many individuals that rap about how hard they are, how many drugs they sell, you know, how many women they they mess with, and then they go to an open mic night at Atlanta of all places. And they can't handle a little joke a little jokey joke it's like how sad is your life if you can't d- handle that honestly now there is an update to the news uh this is from tmz uh comedian Lauren knight no bad blood with ti he's got future in comedy uh so i'm just getting this from um from, from TMZ, so, which is a great outlet, a beautiful outlet, if you will. Um, if you're watching the video, you'll see my reaction when I say that. Uh, it took T.I. a while to let things go because he also went on Instagram Live this week, responding to Lauren's account of what went down and said he would give Lauren $1 million if she produced a video of him calling her a bitch. Uh, Lauren produced the clip and posted it on Instagram, but T.I. hasn't paid up. So yeah, T.I., uh, not only does he have soft skin, but he can't he can't uh, live up to his own his own uh, bets, which that's all that's more often than not worse, right? If you can't live up to your own bet, then I can't trust you, honestly. Like I really can't. You know, you're you're just pulling a big J Okerson. Then I mean, Ti is basically the black big J Okerson. Uh, that's in reference to the you know big J Okerson Shane Gillis thing, but uh, basketball game. Uh, but again, I love Big J okerson and I love Shingalis and I love the Legion of Skanks. Uh, so yeah, that's just um, all right. Poor taste joke, whatever. But yes, the TI thing. Honestly, like it's just so sad to see like people that I thought were like hard, like just be the saddest pieces of crap ever. Like it really is. Like it's it's very sad to see these beloved individuals or individuals that I thought were at least living up to their raps not be able to do so, right? Like, when I think of people that are able to love, live up to their raps, I think of Pusha T. Like, Pusha T is a great rapper who often raps about coke, but he does it so well and so masterful We're like, okay, this is... Push a T. Like this is who he is. Like you, no one's going to deviate away. From, he's not going to deviate away from this lifestyle. He's not going to deviate away from what he raps about. Like this is a person that actually r- lives up to what he raps about. So when I see Clifford Harris do this, it's like, like we can't make fun of your assault allegations. You know what's worse than making jokes about assault allegations? Being alleged for assault that's worse. So when I see this, it's like, like, the things that people get mad about are so weird. Like the things that that people say, there's a line or things that you can or cannot joke about is so dumb. Like, I remember a few few years ago, maybe a few months ago, uh, somebody like made a joke about like, You know punching a trans person you know like you know threatening to punch a trans person and he was just joking about it like it was just like a innocuous joke like a blue like a off-color joke a blue joke if you will and people were like you can't make jokes about you know punching trans people and whatnot it's like yeah you can we play a video game called call of duty where we kill you know innocent people and it's one of the best games out there like call of duty modern warfare that entire series like the modern warfare series i don't know about the new newer modern warfare games but modern warfare one and two are some of the best fps games ever made they really are so if we're able to make video games about you know shooting people you know why can't we make a joke about you know, punching people, right? Like, understand that there is a difference between a video game shooting people and a joke about punching a certain group of people, as opposed to an actual assault on said people, right? Understand that there is a difference between that. And if you're not able to understand that difference, then you just don't get comedy. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm hurt. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but if you if you can't understand that, then I don't know what to tell you. And uh, obviously, like, I'm sorry to like talk about comedy in this way. I know people hate it. When, you know, a person like talks about comedy and like sort of stands up for comedy. But I got to be that dude. I'm sorry. I got to be that dude. You know, so when I see this, it's no different than when I see somebody rush to the stage to yank a microphone out of a comedian's hand. You know, this is no different than what happened to Nemesh Patel Patel at Columbia University. This is no different than that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, honestly, like this is sad uh hopefully you know we're able to see uh ti uh handle this better because this is not a good look it really isn't like if you're new to the scene you got to handle with class you got to handle with 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 dignity you know and and honestly like if you're able to handle it with class and dignity people will like you right like if, if you bum rush the stage and if you like yank a microphone out of somebody's hand or if you like heckle them while they're performing people like other comics will not respect you like, they will not joke around you the same way they joke around other comedians. You know, so again, this is just sad to see. You know, uh, hopefully Clifford is able to uh, handle it better. You know, I mean, that uh, that house of his is going to be quite big today. Uh, and hopefully he gets some counseling with Emily Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all the jokes I have. <laughs> Very corny jokes, my apologies, but... Uh, hopefully, is able to handle it with class and dignity because this is not the right look. This is not the right look whatsoever. You know, this is not something that we should encourage. At the end of the day, it's a joke. Handle it better. Handle it better. I mean, there are times. I mean, I'm, I don't want to blow up anybody's spot, but I'm in Boston. There's an open mic that's notorious for like yanking the cord out of microphones whenever a comedian tells a joke that's outside of the ordinary. And it's so prevalent now where it's like it's so made fun of that open mic is so made fun of now. And and a lot of comedians sort of swear off that from going to that open mic. And obviously I'm going to make it sort of vague because I don't want to blow their spot. But, you know, when I hear about it, it's like this is no different from that open mic. You know, like this is no different. Like as a comedian, you should joke about anything, if not everything. And right now, Lauren Knight—I think that's her name. I mean, hats off to her. You know, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know about her comedy material, but based off how she handled this, pure class, uh, pure dignity, and I think you know, she handled it the best way she could possibly do it. And I I think, you know, she's able to sort of like tell more jokes or you know, sort of build off her material based off this incident. I think that's that's the best way forward. But overall, I think this is something that. Is a, is a good direction for her to go into for just an overall storytelling perspective in general for her comedy. So that's that's where I'll leave it off with that uh, sort of discussion. And again, Ti, you gotta handle it better. I- I'm sorry, you gotta handle it better. Uh, overall, what's your opinion on this about Lauren Knight and Ti? I, I want to hear your thoughts and opinions on this. Uh, but again, like you gotta make as comedian, I gotta make jokes. I'm sorry. Like, if I'm, if again, this is more so like tennis gear, but if I make, joke, make a joke about a tennis player, like, understand that comes from a perspective where I, I kind of like that tennis player. You know, if I make a joke about a tennis player, it usually comes from a perspective where I'm just sort of busting their balls. I'm just trying to make it entertaining and enjoyable for you. So if I make a joke about a tennis player or about anything in general, understand that it comes from the perspective of trying to make it funny, entertaining, and that's what matters at the end of the day so hopefully clifford is able to uh handle this better um honestly like if he came out if if he changed his name right rapper name to clifford i would have so much respect for him as a man because that would that would live up to his like gangsterness right like if he's able to say like yeah i'm clifford you got a problem with it i'll put two bullets through your head Uh, obviously it'd sound better if it came from his mouth than my mouth because I'm so unintimidating as a person but if I'm TI like I would have much better I would have a much better case if I just went by Clifford than TI so much better uh but yeah um that's that's my overall uh discussion on TI and uh Lauren Knight if you will so yeah leave a comment down below on 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 those on those on that discussion and any of the topics that i discussed Uh, Let's get into our next bit of discussion here, shall we? So Will Smith has been banned from the Academy Awards for 10 years, and this is due in part because of the uh, overall uh, slap on Chris Rock. And I'm just getting this from page six. Will Smith responds to Academy's 10-year ban after Oscar 2022 slap. The statement statement continued, uh, We wanted to express our deep gratitude to Mr. Rock for maintaining... Oh, this is from the Academy first and foremost. Then I'll get into Will Smith. Uh, The statement continued, We wanted to express our deep gratitude to Mr. Rock for maintaining his composure under extraordinary circumstances. We also want to thank our host, nominees, presenters, and winners for their poise and grace during our telecast. The actor of 53 will keep the Oscar he won this year for his role in King Richard. And basically his overall response to it was how uh, he apologizes to the Academy, how he apologizes to Chris Rock. He went more into detail with with his apology to Chris Rock as opposed to his uh, original response. Apparently he only addressed Chris Rock once during the entirety of his apology, his initial apology. But he sort of went into it in this apology. And overall... uh, this changes nothing. Like I still have zero respect for Will Smith as a person. I really have zero care for that man. And again, like I hate to like sort of talk about this because again, like everybody's sick and tired of it. Like let's be honest here. Like I'm sick and tired of it. You're sick and tired of it. We're all sick and tired of discussing this. Gerard Carmichael on SNL really did a great job in his monologue, sort of discussing it, but without really discussing it. And go check out that monologue out. He really did a good job with it. Um, one of the few things that I actually found funny from SNL, uh, but overall I'm sick and tired of it. You're sick and tired of it. Uh, I'm I'm happy that he got banned, honestly, for 10 years. Honestly, I think it should be more, uh, but I mean, I, I think he should have he should have been revoked from his Oscar. I mean, you can't handle your way yourself in that way or in that manner. There's so many other individuals that were nominated for that Best Actor award that should have won. I mean, Denzel, I didn't watch Macbeth, but Denzel is a great actor, and he should have won. Andrew Garfield, I didn't like the movie, uh, the Lin-Manuel Miranda, because I don't like theater kids. But Andrew Garfield did a great job as Jonathan Larson. He should have won an Oscar. I mean, obviously, I don't like theater kids. That goes without saying, but there are so many individuals that should have won an Oscar. And Will Smith, I mean, obviously, I feel like he did it because of the fact that... uh uh you know he's been so known so beloved that they had to give it to him uh but again it's just it's just such a dumb thing to do to go up on stage and to like slap a, a comedian for what telling jokes he didn't like so dumb i this is uh will smith's i i got the uh apology that he sent so uh I, it took me a while to really like enlarge it so my apologies but he says i accept and respect the Academy's decision he sent a brief statement on page, for page six to page six on friday um yeah so that's basically what he said uh <laughs> i don't know why i drummed it up that much for that to be so anticlimactic it felt like m. night Shyamalan's recent movie but um yeah so will smith apologized and uh, i saw a video with him and jada pinkett where Jada Pinkett was like saying, like it was like, it was a bit, it was big on Reddit. It like, honestly, it was like one of the most upvoted things I ever saw on Reddit, where it was like Jada Pinkett Smith talking to Will Smith and saying how this sort of counselor therapist was so beneficial for both of them. And she had a camera on and sort of putting it on Will Smith's face. And Will Smith was so pissed off that she would put a camera to her, to his face and Will Smith sort of, like, delicately said to her, that, hey, like, I, I understand that social media is my bread and butter. Uh, don't put a camera in front of my face without, you know, con- without giving me consent or without me giving you consent to do that. And J- Jada Pinkett Smith was like, oh, see, we need more counseling. We need more therapy. He needs help. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, Will Smith said it in a way that was very delicate, delicate and very eloquent. And more importantly, said in a very sensitive way that honestly, I felt very empathetic for like I, 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 ve- I felt very sort of sad for and you're going to come out here and say, Oh, we need more therapy, we need more counseling. It's like, No, no, no. The problem was you, Jada, like if you're a person that, you know, points the blame at other individuals, more often than not, it's you, right? If it's always on another individual, sometimes you got to blame yourself right? Like that's, there's that Gandhi quote where it's like, if you're pointing one finger at somebody else, understand that there are three fingers pointing back at you. I feel like that's a Gandhi quote. I don't know if it's a Gandhi quote. I'm sure it is. If it is, if it's not, then whatever. I'm still going to attribute it to Gandhi because that's Gandhi for you. But again, Will Smith, I mean, I felt bad for him in that moment. Like I really did. When I saw that sort of fizzle out and when I saw that video, I'm like, oh, like this man, is traumatized by her. Like this man is is scared of her. And and I don't know why he's still in that marriage. Maybe it's because of the alimony and child support or or because of the divorce settlements and the amount of money he has to give to her. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's because of Scientology, maybe he, there are some rumors about him, uh, you know, uh, playing on the same team or something. Maybe that's that's the case. Who knows? Who knows? But that's one of those instances where I watched and I was like this is just sad. This is just this is infuriating. Like I wanted to go in there and like defend Will Smith, and I I don't like Will Smith. I'm gonna be quite honest with you. I I mean I was sort of like cautious about Will Smith. I I, I thought there was like something weird about him. Like I never trusted Will Smith. I'll be quite honest with you. Like when I watched him, I'm like okay, this this is some like interesting dude that I, like I don't know. I am I'm, I'm I'm on my p's and q's with. And when I saw that slap, I was like, okay, like, I don't trust this man whatsoever. This man is corny. Uh, just his over, like, my overall opinion on him was always sort of cautious. And then once, once I saw what happened two weeks ago on Sunday, I was like, okay, this man is sad. And there's obviously some deep-seated trauma that's in him, like, some deep-seated trauma. So again, this is sad uh will smith is a man that i have zero care for now and that's because i don't care about individuals that don't respect or don't acknowledge jokes like i'm sorry you can't handle a joke i'm sorry for you i'm sorry for you but that doesn't mean you gotta rush to the stage and slap that person like i'm sorry you gotta handle jokes in a better way especially as i mean especially When there was a rundown of what would happen at the Oscars the day beforehand, I don't think people understand this, but Will Smith, I mean, all the people that are all the people that are the Oscars, apparently they they have like the like a person or presenter sort of run by the lines for them, make sure that all the jokes are completely safe and banal and, you know, the whole nine yards. So Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith were at the Oscars Saturday or, like, the Oscars rehearsal on Saturday, you know, going through the jokes, and they loved it. And all of a sudden, on Sunday, you have a change of heart? That makes no sense whatsoever. So, again, you know, like, I, I don't care about Will Smith. I really don't. Like, when, once I saw that, I was like, screw this man. Like, honestly, screw this man. And when, when I saw when I saw Tom Segura really going to start a tirade, I was like, that's my man that's my dude tom segura real dude love him to death go check out his i mean if you heard of this podcast you probably heard of your mom's house him and uh him and burke kreischer have a great podcast as well two bears one cave go check him out like he went after will smith and like he called him every you know name in the book uh i think he called him like a cunt uh (laughs) which I mean, that was ballsy, to say the least. I mean, and he's right. I mean, he's completely right. And honestly, like, if you go up to comedians, if you go up to jokes, you are the lowest individual ever. Like, I, I see comedians go after other comedians for jokes. I'm like, I mean, what do you expect? This is, a, like, understand, like, this is a comedian. Like, you're getting in trouble. You're making a comedian get in trouble for something that they're supposed to do for a living. That's like getting mad at, say... Uh, accountant for making a spreadsheet that's the same as a football player getting mad at a football player for tackling a person on a football field I mean this is our job our our job is to make fun of things like I'm sorry like like about anything about anything and everything and if you're not able to handle that then I don't know what to say to you but yeah I mean overall that's Will Smith for you I mean that's a man that cannot take jokes and I want to I'm interested to see Uh, because obviously he's going to make movies in the future that will be nominated for Academy Awards, but more importantly, for other award shows that he wasn't banned at. So I want to see him at the BAFTAs. I want to see him at the SAC Awards. Honestly, if I was the BAFTAs or SAC Awards, I would have Chris Rock host and get one of Will Smith's new movies to be nominated, even if I know the movie isn't good enough to be nominated. Right? Like, if that were to happen that would be amazing that would be ratings gold right I would have Chris Rock hosted have Will Smith in attendance and honestly that would be one of the most viewed award shows of all time if I was the Golden Globes I would run with that instantly now and I, I don't know what movie he he's coming out with I think all of his movies are shelved for like the next few months or so but again if I'm the Golden Globes I would have Chris Rock hosted and I have and I would have Will Smith be the nominee. Even if it's for a movie that he shouldn't be nominated for. Now would be my way to get ratings gold. But yeah, that's my overall thoughts and opinions on the Will Smith thing. Uh, Leave a comment down below as to your overall thoughts. And uh, I'll do my best to respond to them. Each and every one of them. All right, uh, let's end it with my weekly pick, shall we? So each and every week I recommend a book, a piece of art, a film, sometimes a special uh, that I really enjoy. This week I'll be recommending to you guys Interpol's newest single titled Tony uh, they released it last Thursday they released the music video on Thursday released the official track on Friday that's usually when tracks are released uh, this song is great uh, I love it it's the first single and lead off track for their seventh album uh, the other side of make believe and the reason why I like this track is because it's so different and off- and it offers a stark contrast to what we expect from Interpol I love Interpol, I truly love Interpol with all my heart. Uh, I'm going to their concert in like a month or so. So I'm excited, I'm, st- I'm stoked to see them perform. And if you know me, you know how much I love Turn On The Bright Lights. Like Turn On The Bright Lights is my favorite album of all time. It's great from start to finish. It's one of the best things ever. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's my favorite album of all time. And the reason why I like this track is because it's so different from all of their other sort of tracks, if you will. You know, when you think of Interpol, you think of bass lines, you think of, you know, very sort of somber lyrics, sort of atmospheric, if you will, uh, but sort of somber and, and dark and, you know, obviously the Joy Division comparison sort of run rampant earlier with in Interpol's discography. But with this song, it's so different because it's very sort of The National-esque. If you like The National, if you like High Violet, that album, you'll certainly love this song. If you like Coldplay's, Viva La Vida, I'm not a big fan of Coldplay, but if you like Coldplay, you might you may enjoy this track as well. And this track is great because it, it's it's great in terms of the overall sort of synthesis of it all. You know, the bass lines are prominent within, within this uh, song. The piano, especially, especially in the latter half of the song, is great. When it ramps up and when you hear Paul Banks' vocals at the latter half of the song, it's so poetic and so beautiful. Uh, the music video, uh, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, because it's very sort of, it was very influenced by, it was very much influenced by West Side Story. And I'm not a musical guy. I do not like musicals. Uh, but if you like musicals, then knock yourself out. You may enjoy the music video. But overall, I think this is a step in the right direction for Interpol. Uh, obviously, it's their first track off the album. So you'll see a very sort of uh, similar feel to that of, say, Paul Banks's Muzz album. I feel like this is going to be an album that we're going to look back at and say, okay, this was a change within Interpol, right? Just like Icky Thump was for The White Stripes, just like Igor was for Tyler, the Creator, uh, just like, you know, Outkast, Love Below was for Outkast. You know, I feel like this album will be like a step in a in a different direction for Interpol. And I think that's a good thing. I feel like uh, artists and bands and, and musical acts should sort of change up their style to a more better sounding way and in a more uh sort of natural way you know there uh, i hate to really this back to comedy because there are a lot of times where i sort of discuss comedy here but you know there are times where comedians will sort of like play the hits you know like andrew dice clay will always have to be andrew dice clay you know and that's great you know i love andrew dice clay you know he's one of my favorite comedians to be to be honest with you i mean the day the laughter died is a great album but you know andrew dice clay will never be andrew silverstein you know he always has to be andrew dice clay you know Like, Nick Swartzen will always have to be that, you know, frat dude. But, you know, there's certain artists where you sort of, you know, look at and say, okay, this person can sort of change. And I feel like Interpol's Tony... I mean, I feel like Interpol's newest album will be so divisive. It will be so divisive because I saw Fantano's reaction to this uh, song, and he hated it. Uh, So this will be one of those albums where people will view it and be like, wow, this is... Different uh, and sometimes that could be a good thing. Sometimes that can be a bad thing But I feel like this will be an album just like that new Jack White album where people will look at and be like, okay This is this is this is something uh, so yeah Interpol's Tony go check it out great song and um, I Hopefully obviously it's not everybody's taste it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm excited for their new album And I'm excited to see them perform live as well Uh, they're, uh, they're performing in Boston, I think in Alston, the Roadrunner. So if you're in that area, if you want to buy tickets and see me, come see me and say hi. Uh, but that's about it for today. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel, my podcast clips channel. Make sure you leave a comment down below on any of the topics that I've discussed, over your overall comments, questions, concerns, and I'll try and reach back to you. And last but not least, make sure you spread the word on WhatsApp. And through your various, you know, group chat messages and whatnot, because I feel like word of mouth is very, very important to build a community. And I feel like if you're able to, if we're, if you you and I are able to uh, build a community, if we, if we are able to build a community, then I think it will just add to the podcast and really add to uh, the overall enjoyment aspect of what I'm trying to do here and what we're trying to do here. So leave uh, just messages to one person, at least one, one person. And, you know, make sure you rate and review on iTunes and Spotify as well. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'll discuss the Monte Carlo Masters uh, this Thursday. I know there's a few tor- uh, matches that I really am interested to watch. And I think it will be a great discussion and a great banter to have. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace. See y'all.